Wonderful. Good evening, everyone. My name's Chloe, and I'm the Youth Minister here at St. Peter's. As Ben said earlier, the talk this evening is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be in three parts, sandwiched by prayer, and there's going to be some discussion and some interactivity. So I hope you're all feeling awake and ready to join in, because that would be brilliant. Let's pray, and then I'll dive right in. Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we open it in a moment together and uh, chat to each other about what it means for us, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us all. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if you have ever failed at something, maybe a sports match that you lost, an exam you didn't pass, a friend that you didn't support very well, or that cake that you burnt in the oven. Well, in our story today, we're going to read about Peter, one of Jesus' disciples who failed quite spectacularly. So Toby's going to come and read for us now from Matthew 26. Peter disowns Jesus. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before all of them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing up there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out to the side and wept bitterly. So Peter, after spending years knowing Jesus and making a really great friendship with him, denied knowing him, not just once, but three times. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, after saying he would never disown him, does just that. He falls into the temptation, maybe through fear, and says that he doesn't know Jesus at all. So have a chat for a moment. I've got two questions for you to have a little think about. If you're in um, a row on your own or with just a couple of people, you might want to turn around um, and chat with those around you. I've got two questions for you to think about. The first one is, why do you think Peter denied Jesus? And how do you think he was feeling when he did? Why do you think Peter denied Jesus? And how do you think he was feeling when he did? So have a chat with those around you for a moment.
Wonderful. Are we getting there? Has everyone had some time to chat? Brilliant. Well, Grace is going to come up. Grace is going to be my glamorous assistant this evening. Round of applause for Grace. Um, so on our flip chart here, we've got our big X representing failure and sin, um, and we're going to jot up our ideas on here. Um, so shout out any answers. Why do you think Peter denied Jesus? Give us some answers, and Grace is going to write them up. Why do you think Peter denied Jesus? Fear. Fear. Brilliant. Yeah, why else? Was that another one? Bewildered, yes. Give Grace some difficult spelling. <laughs> Any others? Sorry. Yes, great. Yeah. Any others? Yeah, panic. Yeah, not really knowing what to say. Brilliant. Well, we all do things wrong sometimes and maybe even turn away from Jesus for different reasons. Maybe we can think of some times when we've turned away from him for some of these same reasons through fear or trying to protect ourselves or whatever it might be. Maybe there are some different reasons that you might be able to think of. But we all know that we fall short. We mess up, don't we? And I'm sure we can relate to how Peter might have been feeling in this moment. So our next question then was, how was he feeling in this moment? How do you think Peter was feeling? Shout out some emotions for Grace to write up. Ashamed. Ashamed. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah, any others? Disappointed, frightened, was that? Yeah, any others? Mortified. Anyone doing A-level English? I'm expecting good things from you. Brilliant. Any others? Self-loathing. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Grace. When we turn away from God and mess up, we might experience some of these emotions as well. We might experience shame, hurt, Guilt, sadness, I'm sure Peter was feeling all of these after he realised what he had done. Now, I have a dog called Drizzle. Some of you will have met Drizzle. And most of the time, he's an absolute angel. Um, but sometimes, he can be really, really naughty. And in those moments when he's been told off and he's sulking in his bed, he knows and I know that there's a fracture in our relationship. He's feeling guilty, I'm feeling cross, our relationship isn't what it once was and needs something to happen to rebuild it, to restore it. In that same way, when we've messed up, when we've turned away from Jesus, our relationship with God needs rebuilding. And luckily for us, that's not something that we can do, but something that Jesus has done for us. God doesn't leave us here in all this guilt and sadness but he does something about it through all that Jesus has done for us. There's more to this story, and we're going to hear a bit more about that after our first prayer activity led by Ben. Thank you. 
Feeling um, like a failure, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? Sometimes we might feel like a failure because we failed at doing something that we should have done a better job at. I think that's okay. We all make mistakes, don't we? And sometimes we feel like a failure just because that's how we feel about ourselves. And actually, the Bible says that's not who we are, but we are made in the image of God and we are loved by him. But also, Chloe alluded to it there, sometimes we just know deep down, don't we, that we're just not quite right. I've probably heard me say many times that it's not exclusively Christian to say nobody's perfect. We're only human. Something deep down within us knows that we're not quite right before God. And God is good and awesome and eternally holy. And therefore it's not okay that we're not right. So that's why the church practices confession. To confess simply means to speak truth. You know, we talk about um, a confession of faith. We say what we believe um, or, or we confess our sins. We are honest and open with God. The Bible says this um, in 1 John. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we're going to have a time now to simply be honest with God, to confess our sins to God. Now you might say, oh, why do we have to do this every week? I've confessed my sins. I'm a Christian. But it's about keeping short accounts with God. And it's about coming to him time and time again. To repent is to turn away from one thing and to turn to Jesus Christ, who welcomes us as his children. So we bring to mind now some things that perhaps we've said or done, or maybe even things that we've left unsaid or undone. You know, we get back into our desk and we think, oh, I should have really said that you know, in the office kitchen. I should have stood up for that person. Maybe bigger things, things that I don't really need to give an example of. Let's be honest with, with God now. Bring them before him, not to feel ashamed or guilty, but to celebrate his grace and mercy as he makes us righteous. Let's have a moment of quiet now. Now, um, liturgy is a really helpful way to give us the words to pray when we don't necessarily have them ourselves, um, but also a way of praying together the same prayer. So some words are going to appear on the screen, and I'd invite you to respond with the words in yellow. So Lord, for our failure to appreciate and enjoy the good things that you provide for our lives, in your mercy, Lord, forgive us. for our insensitivity to the needs of others and for our oversensitivity when we are hurt by them. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us. For becoming consumed in the busyness of life and for losing faith in your sovereignty and power. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us. 
for moods of disobedience and for outright rejection of your will. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us. For consenting to wrong practices by our cool silence and for listening to scandal. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us. And so we pray together, reform our will, reinforce our courage, create in us a new heart, O God, and put your righteousness in us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peter writes this of God's people. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so, Lord God, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy shown to us supremely in Jesus Christ. Lord, so often we fail you, we fall short of what you made us to be. Yet thank you that because of our trust in you, we can call ourselves children of God. You clothe us with the righteousness of Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we would live within this reality and not walk away from it. But that day by day, in the power of your spirit, we will live for you and with you in the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Amen. So we've heard about how Peter had denied Jesus three times, maybe due to weakness or shame, and he must have been feeling hurt and angry and broken. But we know that that story doesn't stop there. The unconditional love of Jesus that we were reminded about last Sunday on Easter Day conquers all. The unconditional love of Jesus covers our sin and our shame and our hurt. So let's read the next part of our story now. This takes place after Peter has denied knowing Jesus. Jesus has died on the cross, risen back to life, and gone to spend some time with his disciples. So Toby's going to read for us now from John 21. Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So we see here that Jesus doesn't leave Peter in his guilt and shame, but he gives him the opportunity to be redeemed 
to turn back to Jesus and declare his love for him. Jesus doesn't do this in anger or rebuke, but through love and that want of reconciliation. I wonder how often we do something wrong or turn away from God and feel like he's going to be angry at us or going to shame us for it. I know I have. I know there's been times in my life where I haven't wanted to pray or go to church or spend time with Christian friends because I feel like God's angry at me, that he's going to tell me off for something I've done that I'm ashamed of. But in this story, we see that Jesus just wants Peter to come back to him. He's not angry or holding it against him like we so often think he might be. But he welcomes Peter back with open arms, despite his huge mess up. So again, have a chat in your groups for a moment, this question. How do you think Peter was feeling when he realized Jesus's forgiveness and love for him despite what he had done? How do you think Peter was feeling when he realized Jesus's love and forgiveness for him despite what he had done? Have another chat in your groups for a moment. Okay, wonderful. Are we getting there? Brilliant. Wonderful. Glamorous Assistant Grace is going to jot up some of our answers. Um, so shout them out then. How do you think Peter was feeling when he realized Jesus's forgiveness and love for him despite what he had done? Shout out some emotions and we'll jot them down. Elation, was that? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Any others? Relief. Yeah, brilliant. Love. Yeah, definitely. Unworthy. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of why me? Yeah. Shocked. Yeah. Any others? Overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Anything else? Trusted. Yeah. That's great. 
Wonderful. So, so many great emotions up on there. Thank you, Grace. Um, When we let go of that fear and that guilt and shame that comes with failure or turning away from God, and we accept that forgiveness and love, we can welcome in some of these really good emotions that come with that. And then what pours out of that love and forgiveness that Jesus has shown to us is love and forgiveness for others and worship to God. So in a moment, we're going to be thinking about that final part of this story and how Jesus' love and forgiveness impacts our lives today. But first, we're going to do our next prayer activity. So at the end of your rows, there's a piece of paper and a pen if you want to grab them. And then as a row, um, write down all of the things that you're thankful to God for. So anything that you want to praise God, give thanks for, fill up that piece of paper with praise. Wonderful. Let's pray for all of those things that we've jotted down. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for all those things on those pieces of paper. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for them. Lord, we are so grateful for the many blessings that you give us. Amen. Amen. And uh, we've got one more thing to be thankful for is um, last Sunday as well. And we've got a video um, all about everything we got up to um, on Easter Sunday last week. So we're going to play the video now.
I was saying. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you, said the angel. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to the disciples. We do praise God for the many blessings from last Sunday. So, one final chat in your groups then. Introverts, you'll be pleased. We're nearly there. Last question is, when we accept Jesus' love and forgiveness, what do we do as a response? What does that look like in our lives? When we accept Jesus' love and forgiveness, what do we do as a response? Have a final chat. Wonderful. So what do we do as a response to Jesus' love and forgiveness? What does that look like in our lives? Shout out some answers for grace. Any thoughts? Love people better. Love people better. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, what else? Celebrate. Yeah, love that. Love ourselves better, yeah. Great. What else? Telling others, yeah, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Any any others? Yeah, forgive others. 
great anymore. Wonderful. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chris. So in our last reading, uh, Jesus asked Peter to take care of his sheep, to feed his flock. This is Jesus saying to him, look after my followers, teach them and grow them. And later we see Jesus asking Peter to build his church when he's gone. Despite the ways that Peter messed up and his constant failure, Jesus entrusts good works to him. So often when we mess up, we think that Jesus can't or won't use us. But the amazing news is that Jesus doesn't operate like that. He loves including us in his plans. You only need to take one flick through the Bible to see all the broken people that Jesus used in amazing ways. And notice that Jesus doesn't say to Peter, are you gifted at ministry? Then feed my sheep. Are you an excellent public speaker? Then take care of my church. Do you have a lot of time and money? Then look after my flock. No, Jesus says, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then look after my flock. Jesus doesn't ask us to be really good at something or have lots of stuff to share or be a really good Christian. He simply asks us to love him. And out of that flows everything else, flows all of these things that we mentioned. Out of that flows sharing the good news, making disciples and building his church. One question that I often get asked at youth group is, how do I grow my faith? Effectively, how do I love Jesus more? And the answers that I give are so cliche, but they're the truth. Read your Bible, spend time in prayer, come to church, join a home group, go to youth group, be surrounded by other Christians that will love and encourage you. It's never an answer that blows someone away. They never walk away going, oh yeah, that's great, I'll read my Bible, that was such a good answer. It's a simple answer, but it's the truth. It's that day by day, walk with God, getting to know him more, and seeing just how awesome he is. So let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you don't leave us in that failure, in that place of sin. But Lord, that you died on the cross so that we could be reconciled with you and have a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that day by day, you would be revealing more of yourself to us, that we would be getting to know you and loving you more. And Lord, would awesome things flow out of that. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in prayer now as the Daplins come and lead us.